hot flashes, vaginal dryness, painful sex, low libido, recurrent urinary tract infections, weight gain, insomnia, orgasm? What orgasm? Menopause is a very special time, and I'm betting you've not gotten a lot of information from your own doctor. I'm Dr. Lauren Stryker, a clinical professor of obstetrics and gynecology, the medical director of the Northwestern Medicine Center for Sexual Medicine and Menopause, a practicing gynecologist, best-selling author, and a nationally recognized menopause expert. My mantra has always been, if women are given good information, they'll make good choices. And I'm here to give you the inside information on all things menopause. It's not news that Americans turn to cannabinoids for pretty much everything that ails them. Cannabis has not only gone mainstream, but also appears to be mainstream in the menopause crowd. Women are smoking it, drinking it, putting it not only on their avocado toast, but also on their vulva and in their vagina. So it's no surprise that in a 2020 study, 27% of menopausal women reported that they use some form of cannabis to alleviate hot flashes, insomnia, vaginal dryness, mood swings, and brain fog. That's more than one in four women. And the numbers are probably now much higher. Compare that to the mere 7% of women who take hormone therapy to alleviate their symptoms. Now, there are a lot of reasons that the number of women who take estrogen is so low, but the number one reason is because of the false perception that estrogen is dangerous. And that fear of estrogen is a huge motivator for women to find a non-hormonal solution for flashes, insomnia, and anxiety. And for one out of four women, that alternative is cannabis. Cannabis as medicine is not a new thing. It's been used by men and women for thousands of years. And in the late 1800s, all of the major pharmaceutical companies, Eli Lilly, Park Davis, Pfizer, Squibb, sold cannabis in powder, tablets, and tinctures to be prescribed by doctors for a variety of ailments, including symptoms of menopause. Cannabis indica even pops up as a treatment of menopause in the 1899 edition of the Merck Manual, a popular medical textbook. The manual also recommends a change of air and scene. And I love the notion that women suffering from hot flashes and insomnia were advised by their physician to smoke some pot and take a vacation. The obvious question is, does it work? Well, other than wildly enthusiastic anecdotal reports, there have been inadequate scientific studies. You know, studies in large groups of women over an extended period of time with a control group using fake cannabis as a comparison. In other words, the kinds of studies that are required for pharmaceutical agents to become FDA approved don't exist when it comes to the cannabinoids. In addition, most studies on the effect of cannabinoids include only men. And women are not small men. And even when they do include women, it's always premenopausal women. Don't get me wrong. I think the use of cannabinoids to relieve menopause symptoms is very promising. And based on the known properties of cannabinoids, there is good reason that they would be beneficial in alleviating many symptoms. It just would be nice to have more research that informs me as to what kind of cannabis works, what dosage works best, so I can make informed recommendations to my patients. But having said that, I'm going to tell you what is known based on the science of cannabinoids and observational anecdotal data. Before I dive into all of that and explain what cannabis can potentially do for you, I'm going to start with a brief tutorial about the cannabinoids, Cannabis 101, if you will. There are three categories of cannabinoids, the endocannabinoids, the phytocannabinoids, and synthetic cannabinoids. I am not going to be talking about synthetic cannabinoids, but let's start with the endocannabinoid system. The human endocannabinoid system is a complex nerve signaling system that's composed of neurotransmitters that bind to receptors. 
it's responsible for regulating bodily functions, things like appetite, metabolism, pain, mood, learning, memory, sleep, stress, bone health, and cardiovascular health, pretty much everything that keeps us functional and balanced. There are three components to the human endocannabinoid system. First, starting with the endocannabinoids that are made in the body. The two main endocannabinoids that have been studied are 2-arachidinoglycerol, known as 2-AG, and anatomide, known as AEA. In addition to doing other good things, anatomide also helps regulate body temperature. Remember that, and I think you know where I'm going here. So the second component, the endocannabinoid receptors, which are required for the endocannabinoids to become active. That's those CB1 receptors and CB2 receptors. The third component of the endocannabinoid system are enzymes. The enzymes break down the endocannabinoids after they've done their job and basically determine how many active endocannabinoids there are. Fatty acid amide hydrolase, known as FAAH, or FA, breaks down anatomide. FA is controlled by estrogen. Estrogen suppresses FA. Let me simplify this picture for you because this is important. When estrogen is high, enzyme levels are low and anatomide levels are high, which means that your temperature control system works. No hot flashes, perfect temperature. But when your estrogen levels are low, those FA enzyme levels are high, which means that your anatomide levels are low. Your thermostat is off and hot flashes are the result. And this is why cannabis experts propose that the disruption in the endocannabinoid system when estrogen is low is responsible for menopause symptoms and is also why cannabis decreases hot flashes, which brings me to the phytocannabinoids, the plants. Phytocannabinoids are extracted specifically from the cannabis plants, and the two cannabinoids that are extracted from the cannabis flower that might have potential roles in managing menopause are THC, tetrahydrocannabidiol, and cannabidiol, CBD. No surprise, only the female flower contains those elements. THC is the potentially psychoactive component of cannabis in higher levels. THC activates CB1 receptors and can create a euphoric feeling. THC mimics some aspects of anatomide, that endocannabinoid that helps regulate body temperature, which is theoretically why THC is the key to reducing hot flashes. Now, CBD is extracted from hemp flowers and it does not have any psychoactive properties, the health benefits without the high, if you will. CBD does contain trace amounts of THC. Um, and although CBD may not reduce hot flashes specifically in the same way THC does, it does decrease pain and inflammation, which will help you get a good night's sleep. So when we look at the species of cannabis plants, there are two species that you may have heard about. Indica is a short bushy plant and it's anecdotally known for its calming attributes. And that's because it has relatively high levels of CBD. Indica is associated with pain relief, sleep and relaxation. The sativa species is tall and slim and it's associated with being a stimulant. It's supposed to boost your energy, increase focus and maybe enhance sexual function. But today, there is no pure sativa. There's no pure indica. All these plants are hybrids. They have some aspects of indica, some aspects of sativa. The idea is mixing them to get the best of both strains. And 
The interbreeding of these strains has become so common that most experts say that those unique distinctions between indica and sativa no longer exist. So now plants are described by the amount of CBD or THC they have as opposed to what species they are. The effect that cannabis has on your body is dependent on many, many factors, starting with the sex of the person using the product. That's right. There are significant differences in the way that women metabolize cannabis compared to men. And it's not just that women tend to weigh less than men, because like we've learned with many pharmaceuticals, women are not small men. There are differences in the way we metabolize drugs. There are differences in the way we metabolize cannabis. It turns out that CB1 receptor density is lower, much lower in women than in men. And I've already pointed out that estrogen is a major player in cannabis metabolism. So if you remember nothing else, remember this. Women metabolize cannabis way more slowly than men. And postmenopause women that have no estrogen metabolize cannabis more slowly than premenopause women. All right, now you have the basics. Let's get on with how to take it, what to take, what it might do for you. As far as how you consume your cannabis, there are so many choices. You can eat it, you can smoke it, you can rub it on. And how you consume your cannabis is important, not only in terms of what it will do for you, but also in terms of how quickly it's going to work and any potential side effects. Smoking or vaping is really popular. Maybe it's because women in their 50s and 60s started out smoking it when they were in their 20s and 30s. And it not only is familiar, but kind of reminds us of when we were that age. Inhaling cannabis has the advantage of an almost immediate effect. But the disadvantage is that it goes through the lungs and it could potentially harm your respiratory tract. And since you're going to be doing this on a regular basis, because you are having your hot flashes on a daily basis, I don't recommend it. Not to mention smoking a joint may not be something you want to do at work or while having dinner with your in-laws. And though your teenage kids will probably be delighted that their mom is smoking weed, you may not want the telltale aroma wafting through your house. Edibles, which are foods infused with cannabis, have gotten increasingly popular. And not only can they be consumed discreetly, but gummies, chocolate, ice cream, smoothies, cookies, they're delicious. But here's the problem. The effect, it's delayed, sometimes really delayed, which means eating, can eating your cannabis may lead to overdosing. Let's just put it this way. If you have a piece of chocolate and then an hour later, you're thinking, I don't feel anything. This isn't working. I think I'll have another piece of chocolate or it was delicious, maybe two. When it finally kicks in hours later, not only do you end up feeling stoned, but sometimes also paranoid, disoriented and frightened. There'd probably be a lot less overdosing if the cannabis was infused in spinach instead of brownies. Just saying. From my point of view, sublinguals are the best and the safest way to go for menopausal women. Sublinguals are tinctures, sprays, or strips that are placed under the tongue or inside the cheek that are quickly absorbed into the bloodstream. You've seen all those veins that run under your tongue. Well, it can be directly absorbed into those veins. Some edibles like chocolate or ice cream can be placed under the tongue and allowed to melt to get a quick onset, but you don't want to swallow them because then it becomes inedible. And you don't want sublinguals to make the trip through the digestive system, you want them to get absorbed directly into the bloodstream so you get that relatively quick onset of action and greater control. And then finally, there's the topicals. Topicals include any cannabis-infused product that you apply directly to the skin. This includes lotions, patches, oils, sprays, and soaps. The absorption is slow and the effects are 
just at the location where they're applied, which is why topicals are typically used to alleviate pain on a specific area of the body. Topicals can get rid of aches and aches and pains, but they also may help with vaginal lubrication or the ability to have an orgasm. I'm going to get back to that in a little bit, but topicals are not going to help your hot flashes. So now let's get to the specific symptoms and the role that cannabis plays. Obviously, there's dozens of menopause symptoms, but today I'm going to focus on the big four, hot flashes, orgasm, libido, and sleep. I've already mentioned that low estrogen causes anatomy levels to plunge, which in turn is partially responsible for hot flashes. THC mimics anatomide, and theoretically, THC should decrease hot flashes. This has not actually been scientifically studied, so I decided to do my own study. I'm in the process of a survey of menopausal women who use cannabis, and I'm asking things like, why are you using it? What kind are you using? And is it working for you? Just to be clear, just because someone says something works doesn't mean it actually works. There's the placebo effect. There are a lot of other things that can influence whether something works or doesn't work. But my study is measuring the perception, the perception of, is it working for you, which is not the same as a true effect. The only kind of study that measures a true effect is one that compares cannabis to a placebo over a long period of time. But having said that, the information I'm gathering is still really important and tells us what women are doing today and what they think it's doing for them. The responses are rolling in, and I'm hoping to get thousands more so I can publish my results in a scientific journal. So what does my survey say? Well, in my survey, 98% of women who use cannabis for hot flashes say that it works. It has reduced or eliminated their hot flashes, 98%. Moving on to sleep. Decreasing hot flashes, decreasing pain, decreasing anxiety, and making you sleepy are all effects of cannabis. So it's no surprise that in my survey, 98% of respondents say that yes, cannabis helps them sleep. Sex is the next category, starting with libido. Libido, of course, is thinking about sex, desiring sex, fantasizing sex. And while there are a lot of factors that influence libido, starting with if you actually like your partner, we know that the endocannabinoid system is definitely involved. Now, there are some scientific studies on the impact of cannabis on libido, but none are particularly good and none are in postmenopause women because obviously only young women care about sex. Don't get me started on that one. But in the studies that we do have, some studies show that cannabis increases libido and other studies show cannabis decreases libido. It appears that like alcohol, it seems to be dose related. A little bit is helpful. A lot can be a real libido killer. And in my survey, 97% of women say that cannabis does in fact boost their libido. Now, there are an increasing number of topicals that are intended to help with vaginal dryness and painful sex. But other than in experiments in bedrooms around America, there are zero scientific studies. But think, of that, think about this. CBD is a vasodilator, and that means that it increases blood flow to the area where it's helped. Vaginal lubrication is depending on having a decent blood flow. So it makes sense that CBD in the vagina might help with lubrication. And if that's what you're trying to do, then a suppository placed in the vagina is the way to go. Does it help? Mm, I really have no idea. But in my survey, 85% of women said that using CBD did help with vaginal lubrication and alleviating painful sex. And now the question you've all been waiting for, 
Will CBD give you a mind-blowing, over-the-top orgasm? Well, according to the advertisements you see in customer testimonials that go with them, it's amazing that anyone goes to work or does the laundry with the amazing effects CBD supposedly has on one's ability to orgasm. Again, no studies, but increased blood flow to the clitoris is never a bad thing. And it's important that you put the CBD oil directly on your clitoris. It also helps to rub it in for a long time, very slowly. In my survey, 93% of women say that cannabis helps them orgasm. So dosage of all this is tricky, and I'm not going to get into the details of it here beyond saying that it's pretty much a free-for-all because the pharmacology is complex. There are over 100 cannabinoids, and all of them have different physical and psychological effects. The dosage and type of cannabis are really difficult to standardize. And beyond the fact that you're female and you have that issue, we know that the metabolism of cannabis is dramatically altered by things like your age, the dose, the brand that you use, how you take it, medications that you might be taking, genetic factors. If you've got estrogen on board, the time of your last meal, are you also drinking alcohol? Are there other additives? How often do you take it? How often have you taken it in the past? All of those things are going to make a difference. And there is no one size fits all dosing. And because cannabis is a botanical, you, can, you can't count on the same level of consistency as you would with the commercial pharmaceutical. I recommend that you keep a journal of exactly what you're taking until you figure out what's best for you. And once you find a brand that works, stick with it because even the same formula in different brands is not going to be the same. In my survey, over half the respondents said that no one advised them what to take. They figured it out on their own or went on the advice of a friend or a relative. And 20% got their advice from someone in a dispensary. But remember, most of the folks who work in dispensaries, they're not medical practitioners. They don't give medical recommendations. They may not be aware of a potential drug interaction, other medical variables. variables. And I can tell you, they know nothing about menopause. I did my own completely unscientific experiment when I was in Colorado a few months ago. And I basically walked into one of those dispensaries that are in every corner. And I said, hi, I'm menopausal and I'm having hot flashes. What would you recommend? And they just stared at me like cows in a pasture. They had absolutely no idea. Everyone kept trying to sell me something that would help me sleep. But when I kept saying, no, no, this isn't for sleep. I have hot flashes all day long. Basically, I was told we have no idea. I do get into more specifics in my book, Hot Flash Hell. Um, when I wrote Hot Flash Hell, I was just going to write a paragraph or two about cannabis. By the time I finished researching it, I thought, oh my God, there is so much here. So I wrote an entire chapter. Honestly, I think I could just write an entire book on this topic. But I do give you better guidelines and things to be aware of to get you started. But the most important thing for you to remember if you decide to go on that journey is to start low and go slow start low and go slow. Let's talk about risks for a second, because there's this idea that CBD particularly is risk-free, cannabis risk-free. It's not the case. Nothing is risk-free. And while we have a lot to learn as far as what our potential 
problems with cannabis, we do know a few things. Number one, cannabinoids have the potential to interact with certain medications, specifically blood thinners and anti-seizure drugs. And in some cases, they can make those medications less effective. Cannabis users also apparently need more sedation for medical procedures, such as colonoscopy. This was a study that was done in Colorado when they looked at cannabis users versus non-cannabis users who were having these outpatient procedures. So please, do not keep your cannabis habit a secret from your doctor. If he or she doesn't ask, you should bring it up. We also know that the effects of cannabinoids are, again, dose-related. Low to moderate doses, particularly if there's THC, appear to have a positive effects. High doses are a real problem and can be associated with an increase in paranoia and anxiety. There is such a thing as too much of a good thing. And again, I know I keep saying this, but it's so important. Menopausal women are more vulnerable than men to an overdose. Go low and start slow. I just gave you a ton of information, so I'm going to sum up a few key points. Although there's no good scientific studies to back it up, cannabis appears to decrease the frequency and severity of hot flashes. THC is likely the component that's most important for hot flash relief because it mimics some aspects of anatomide, the endocannabinoid that naturally occurs in the body that helps regulate body temperature. CBD decreases pain and inflammation in addition to helping you get a good night's sleep. A sublingual product is the way to go. It has a fast onset and avoids the gastrointestinal system and the respiratory system. The THC in products that are sublingual is actually absorbed the best and is more controllable with more predictable dosing. So what's better, estrogen or cannabis? Well, in the absence of scientific studies on cannabis, estrogen remains the gold standard. Estrogen is safe and estrogen is effective. But having said that, for women seeking a non-hormonal option, cannabis if used carefully, is definitely an option. And if you do use cannabis for relief of menopause symptoms, please take my survey. The link is in my notes. It only takes 10 or 15 minutes, and you will be a part of important and desperately needed research. And bonus, you can enter to win a copy of Hot Flash Hell. I'm Dr. Lauren Stryker, and thank you for joining me. You will find lots more information in my Inside Information books available on Amazon.com. And follow Francie as she navigates her way through vaginal dryness, hot flashes, and pretty much every menopausal symptom you can think of. Bye.